Hello and welcome back to The Indie, the podcast from the newsroom of the Santa Barbara Independent. I'm your host, Molly McEnany, and this week I'm here with Celesta Belecci, Miller McEwen Executive Director for UCSB Arts and Lectures, Caitlin O'Hara, Director of Public Lectures and Special Initiatives, Charles Donnellan, Senior Writer and Publicist, to talk about the new season lineup for A&L opening season and what's to come this fall. So thank you, everyone, for joining me on the show this week. Thank you. Great to be here. Thanks so much for having us. So opening week is coming up. I wanted to ask, what about this season is more exciting than others? This opening week, what about it is representative of what a brings every single year to Santa Barbara? Okay, well, I'll just jump in. This is, as Celesta, I just wanted to say that, you know, just coming back and being with live audiences downtown, I mean, having the opening night be with Charlie Crockett at the Arlington, we expect several thousand people there. It's going to be wonderful. I mean, starting with music and what makes it different is just having live audience again and, and being in, in a live space. I mean, the COVID has really made us appreciate, I think, more than ever, just being together and, and, and having that shared experience. So, I mean, we have so many different things that first week. We have you know, old town country music. We have world music from the Ukraine. We have swing out dancing on stage and and we have David Gergen talking about politics. So it's the strength of arts and lectures that I really believe is that we have lots of different ways for people in the community to engage with the program, really truly have something for everyone and it's showcased in that first week. So I'm excited about all of it. Again, just being together, we'll we'll see lots of different people from lots of different parts of the Santa Barbara community coming together with joy in their faces and being engaged and educated, entertained, and inspired, which is what we say we're always going to do. The organization does a lot of events on campus. Campbell Hall is a really great venue, but I believe that Arts and Lectures lights up and activates the Santa Barbara Arts District, which is the area along around State Street where the Arlington and the Granada are in a way that is just incredibly exciting. And this season is particularly robust in that regard because of the collaboration with the first Thursday art walk that we're doing, celebrating Ukraine before the Daka Braca event. That's on Thursday, the 6th of October. And also because on Saturday night, we go right back to the Granada and we are not only going to be presenting these incredible swing dancers, we're also going to be giving an opportunity for people who like to swing dance to dance on stage with these performers to a live band. So, you know, we're fortunate in Santa Barbara to have these incredible venues and Arts and Lectures uses them in a way that's, I think, particularly fun and exciting. And I just love these opening weeks. You know, I've been going to them for several years now and it's thrilling for me to be a part of the the crew that's putting them together right now. Thank you for that great overview of what's going on opening week. I want to dig into that a little bit. So the first musician coming up at the Arlington is Charlie Crockett. What about his Americana vibe in particular do you feel will resonate with Santa Barbara? And tell me more about why he's kind of kickstarting this musical adventure this year. Charlie Crockett is, he's really tapped into something that's happening right now where he digs in very, very historically based to music, but there's something very contemporary about the way he puts it out and 
and his voice and the way he the way he carries himself, his style, all of these things kind of come together in a really unique way. And people are so excited about him. His star is just like taking off. He just opened for Willie Nelson. Well, he's on tour with Willie Nelson. He opened for Jason Isbell. He's at the Palomino Festival at Stagecoach, all of these places that are just so much energy and so fun right now for people. And he's kind of leading the path in that way. So we are actually really excited to have him open our season. I think his energy is going to be just great. One of the real strengths of this organization in the last few years, especially, has been a leadership role in exposing people to musicians who are going to be a big deal very soon. And I'll give you a couple of examples. First of all, Jason Isbell, I think he's probably the top singer-songwriter in America right now. And I didn't even know about him, really. I mean, I've heard of him a little bit from Drive-By Truckers until he was on a house call Zoom concert back when Arts and Lectures only had that option when we couldn't be live. And then he came here last year and did an amazing show, probably the best rock show of the year at the Arlington. So Charlie Crockett is right in line with this. Another artist, I don't know whether you caught Billy Strings, he went from a house call, you know, an Arts and Lectures concert, a streaming concert, to two nights at the Santa Barbara Bowl in one year. And these people are all connected through this network of contemporary Americana. And I just, it's the most exciting movement in American music right now. And this organization has brought these people in and exposed us to them at a time when, you know, they're still on the way up. And I think that's really special. And being at the forefront of that definitely gives ANL that edge to be like, oh, maybe the next person I see there will also become a big star as well. So I should hop to it. But I know that opening week has everything from music to dance to acrobatics, and I don't want to give too much away. But I really wanted to touch on Daka Baraka, Ukrainian folk group. And, and given everything that's been going on in Ukraine, what has ANL done to further incorporate that element of you know, support to the local Ukrainian community as well as Ukrainians from around the world. I can speak to that. I mean, when we brought this band, Daka Braka, so I should just mention that they were on our season and canceled twice. I had to cancel twice because of COVID. So this is the third time. And, you know, third time's the charm, right? So we really wanted to bring them and we wanted to specifically bring them opening week to make a statement. We really wanted to show support for this band, even during the war that's been going on. You know, they've been they've been touring the United States, but we haven't had them to Santa Barbara. So Daka Braca is just a really fun kind of rock, pop, hip hop band. You know, they, they speak about Ukraine a lot and what's going on in their country at their concerts. And we wanted to showcase it. I mean, you can drive around Santa Barbara, see the flags up on lots of different streets. But when this is not a political event that we're trying to do, this is really a celebration about the, about the culture of, of Ukraine. Many people know Roman Baratiak, too, that was our associate director for 44, you know, he's been here for 44 years. He retired during COVID. Roman is Ukraine-American. And so he's going to be at this pre-event that we're going to do. It starts at five o'clock for first Thursday. He's going to be actually emceeing this event. And there's a whole schedule that we're having and we invite people to come out beforehand. It's free. The event itself is free between five and eight. And then Daka Baraka, we hope you come inside the Granada, buy a ticket and see this fabulous band. But we're calling it the Free Ukraine Fest. 
You show up at five o'clock and you're going to see performances by a Bandura musician. This musician, it's Susanna Igledin, performed alongside with John Legend at the 2022 Grammy Awards. We're also going to have dancers from the Ukrainian Art Center from L.A. We're going to have Ukrainian craft displays with painted eggs out in front. Direct Relief will be out in front with a table. We're going to have Sunflowers, which is the national flower of Ukraine, out in front. A signature cocktail of the Good Lion. Lots of different things happening in front of the Granada between 5 and 8. So performances, displays, come out and celebrate Ukraine. Be there with the community and everybody's invited for free. And then come out and come inside and join us for this wonderful band and be a part of the community celebrating the cultural the cultural heritage and the celebration of Ukraine. And there's also a lot of theatrics opening week as well with Swing Out and Sacre by Circa. What about these two groups sort of challenges the boundaries of conventional dance and why did you want them to be a part of your opening week? So I, I love dance. Our dance series, honestly, is one of our most popular series, if not the pop, most popular series. This town is awesome that, that supports dance. And Swing Out is amazing. It's a production from the Joyce Theater out of New York, which is the preeminent Joyce dance production place in, in New York City. Anyhow, I wanted to, Charles to talk about it because he saw this in Los Angeles. Yes, I, I saw Swing Out in June at the Music Center in downtown L.A., and it was just incredibly thrilling show. Lindy Hop, you know, it's a partner form. It's acrobatic. And they do it to a live 10-piece swing orchestra. But this group is unusual because they're not your ordinary Lindy Hoppers. Caleb Teicher, who is the director, put it together, is a fabulous tap dancer. He was with the Dorian's Dance Company before he started Swing Out. And he's one of the most innovative young choreographers in the dance world right now. And with the rest of them, there's another woman, Natasha Barnes. Natasha Barnes, she's on the cover of Dance Magazine in July. She is considered one of the greatest house music dancers in the world, but she also does swing dance. And there's everyone in this group. The thing that I think is really cool about them, they remind me in a way of the Silk Road Project. Because it's not just about performing the dance, it's about educating people about the history of the dance. And in particular, they are incredibly strong about explaining the African-American roots of this dance form and the way that it's been transformed. And some people say in certain versions, whitewashed over history. So like a lot of arts and lectures programming, it's entertaining but it's also super educational. There's a depth to what happens. And then, of course, people get up and dance. And in L.A., I, I think there were 500 to 1,000 people on the plaza outside the, the Dorothy Chandler, outside the Amundsen was a theater was in on the plaza there. So we're going to keep going and try to get everybody who wants to dance up on that stage after the first half of the show. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> That's so exciting. And did you want to touch on Sacre by Circa as well? I mean, what about them is different and kind of creative about the way that they're approaching dance? We bring circus events usually every year. Arts and Lectures brings different types of circus events to town. So we've brought, you know, Peking Acrobats, which is really predominantly for younger kids. We've brought kind of more like teenage kind of just circus groups into the Granada. This is more of adult circus, kind of a very physically challenging all physical circus like throwing bodies left and right catching doing daredevil stuff that 
you'd be surprised. It's going to be in Campbell Hall, very intimate. You're right on top of these 10 acrobats, amazing acrobats that they're doing right in front of you. The quote about them is that the rock stars of the circus world. So I, I hope people come out to see this piece. The company's never been here. They're from Australia. It's a different kind of circus group. And I think that, you know, coming to Campbell Hall to see this piece will be inspiring. Yeah, I think they're going to be an interesting group for people in town who are interested in theater. Definitely for people who love classical music, especially 20th century classical music. The score is an adaptation of Stravinsky's Rite of Spring. And then I think just for everyone, one of the things that comes through in learning about this particular piece by this group is there's a lot of gender role reversal. These are people who are going to be showing you that strong women can toss men around (laughs) and create the kind of excitement through physicality that maybe you might associate with a more traditional gender role assignment. So I'm, I'm really excited about this from the video. These people, they're, they're incredible athletes. Yeah, they're incredible athletes. And they really push the boundaries of, I think if you know contemporary Cirque, which actually Arts and Lectures has a really strong reputation of presenting. So if you're familiar with previous Cirque shows we've presented, this one is a little bit maybe a little bit more moving, a little bit deeper and darker. And this company really blurs the lines between, well, Charles mentioned theater, dance, Cirque, all these things that are going to come together in one really powerful evening. And if you are familiar with dance and the rites of spring, this is going to be a really unique take on that. So I, I highly suggest people come and check it out. And then to close out opening week, I mean, it seems like it goes from music to these different musical incorporated dances and then closing it out is a lecturer. So David Gergen, he's a former White House advisor, and he starts off the lecture series. So why did you want him to be the inaugural speaker? What kind of tone will he set for the rest of the lecture series for the rest of the year? David Gergen is such a powerful speaker and he has a new book out. It's called Hearts Touched with Fire, How Great Leaders Are Made. And he's really looking at leadership. And it seems like these days we're looking for fresh leadership. And David Gergen has advised four presidents. He knows a lot about leadership. And he's looking at historical leaders like, you know, going back in our history to people like Lincoln or, you know, people we really hold in high esteem. And then a little bit more recent, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg or John Lewis. But he's really focusing on what will the new generation of leaders look like and and how can we create strong leaders in our generation who are coming up? So he's looking at contemporary game changers like Greta Thunberg and the Black Lives Matter movement. We felt like his topic and his experience were so important for our time right now. We actually made him the opening lecture and sort of the linchpin of our thematic learning initiative, which is our our program that takes what you learned on the stage and put it into practice in our community. So following his onstage event, you can join the Leading From Within Leadership Roundtable. We partnered with Leading From Within, and they're going to be leading us on conversations that Take what David Gergen talks about on stage and also in his book. We did a giveaway. You can pick up a free copy of his book at your local library and take 
all the lessons that he provides on stage and in his book and put it into practice in our community. So there's a lasting impact in our community. David Gurbin was really like, he wanted very badly to be able to bring this leadership message to Santa Barbara. And I think there's two things about our community that makes it an appealing place for all these wonderful people that come to work with arts and lectures. And David Gergen, he wanted to come here because the university offers him an opportunity to address young people. And he's really all about finding young leaders. I mean, that's really the subject of the book and his kind of mission right now. It's what he's doing. He's got a whole institute at the Harvard Kennedy School. But then the other thing is Santa Barbara is this amazing center of philanthropy. And so it's also kind of a place where innovative people and people interested in the future of leadership, they want to be because the audience here is the audience they want to be talking to. And going off of this education initiative as a part of your lecture series, you know, later on, now we're going to kind of later on in the fall, but Laird Hamilton, the surfer, is also speaking. What about the lecture series from him do you hope inspires attendees? Well, I love I love that Laird is a different type of leader. He's that that person who took what was the norm and said, this isn't working for me. I'm going to carve my own path and I'm going to excel and I'm going to show people that something they thought wasn't possible is possible. And, you know, we can take that however we feel in our own lives, what, whatever that means to us. But I think learning from somebody who is that pathbreaker and that game changer is going to be fascinating. And then, of course, we're a surfing community. So I love the idea of hearing from Laird Hamilton specifically on surfing. I think it'll be a really fun event. And the person who will be interviewing him on stage is Rory Kennedy. She's a filmmaker and she made the documentary about him called Take Every Wave. So she knows him very well. She knows the subject matter of his life and his feelings and his what drives him and all those things really well. So I think it's going to be a, a really a really great event. Yeah, and I'm really happy actually to be able to add a little bit to that because you know, obviously, Santa Barbara is a legendary center of surf culture, and you get a lot of different manifestations of surf culture. It's not just that we have, you know, Connor Coffin and people like this, like E. Peterson, who are like world champions, but you also, you know, Jack Johnson went to UCSB and he's afraid surf too, but he became an incredibly successful musician. Laird Hamilton, though, I think is fascinating because he is responsible or in, in various different ways, involved in three of the most important innovations in how people serve, how people use the water. He's one of the very first people to do stand-up paddleboarding. Stand-up paddleboarding has exploded. It's maybe the most popular new kind of surfing that's happening. And so many people do it. And he was out there with that paddle surfing big waves before anybody else. So... That's one thing. Big wave surfing is kind of what he's known for because it's so incredible and, and picturesque or whatever you want to call it when, when you know, the photos just make your jaw drop. But then he was also involved in spoiling, which is this new kind of surfing where, you know, the board pops up out of the water. And uh, this is happening in Santa Barbara at Ledbetter Beach every day. Kite foilers, it's like, probably the biggest new innovation since then. 
he was one of the first people doing that. And then, you know, and this is the most controversial thing. It's going to be interesting to hear him talk about this. But one of the ways in which he gets into these giant waves that he serves is by being towed in by somebody on a jet ski. And so people think, oh, well, you know, that's not the true surfer technique. You know, why are you being assisted in this way? But it allowed him to serve bigger waves than people had ever surfed before. So from that point of view, I just think, you know, this is somebody who is directly involved in probably the three most influential innovations in this sport. And they're all practiced by people here, except probably not so much big wave surfing in Santa Barbara, but he also lives in Hawaii. That's one of the things that fascinates me about him is that he he is controversial and he he did things that people, you know, some people might not like. But I, I love that mentality of like maybe being maybe it's not the norm and maybe people say you can't do it this way or you shouldn't do it this way but he really listened to his own self and said here's what I need to do and showed people that something could be done you can surf these gigantic waves you can ride the wave you know ride above the water and get the power of the wave in the foil board I think it's important for us to show people who broke through boundaries and broke through ceilings to open up a new a new possibility for us. Yeah, imagination that as much as surfing, that's, that's the medium that he's working in. He's got a whole way of training that involves holding your breath in your swimming pool and lifting weights underwater that he came up with. I mean, he's just, he's a source of ideas. Oh, I just love the word imagination. I actually feel like that's what I hope what people do when they come to these events, any of these events. I mean, if you sit down in the theater and see Sakura, the circuit company, and you see these 10 acrobats on stage, you, they're doing things you could never imagine, right? Like they're throwing things each other around and they're, they're, they're doing different physical feats that you could not imagine possible. Or Charlie's Crockett's voice is going in a direction that you're like, wow, I can't believe that he can sing that seeing that note that way in such a way that just touches me. I, I couldn't imagine that. Or Daka Braca, right? I hope that all these ensembles and artists that we bring and speakers inspire, that we bring to Santa Barbara for the first time, most of these people, except for Gergen, they've never been to Santa Barbara, that they inspire our community to think about the world differently. And when these artists are all gone, you know, change themselves, change it, maybe inspire everybody to look at things differently or even approach their daily life or look at other artists and willing to take chance on all these other people in here. I mean, we, we try to bring new artists and new ensembles and not repeat all the time because what's the fun in that, right? I mean, our, our job is to surprise people. Like Charles said, our job is to bring people that are new that you don't know that maybe next year or the year after are just going to be, wow, they were, they're huge, but we catch them when they're not. Was there an impetus to bring in groups that represented the various issues facing our country or the world today or who challenged the status quo, as you said, with Laird Hamilton or with other musicians and the Cirque shows, whether it be through music or speakers or dance. There seems to be this want to educate people on current issues and the foundational elements that go into being a change maker. So what goes into shaping themes for each season and finding these acts that represent that for ANL? I'll just start by saying, I think you probably noticed the last two years we had a series which which has morphed into a programming initiative. We started with Race to Justice after George Floyd's killing. We did a whole series on Race to Justice, which is really 
pretty to my core and pretty core to the programming team here at Arts and Lectures and really probably the most successful series that we've ever had at Arts and Lectures. The community really responded when we put that series out. And then we morphed it into Justice for All this last season. And now this year, it's becoming the Justice for All programming initiative, meaning that that is really being sprinkled throughout the season, that we're really addressing issues of social justice and equity throughout our program. With regards to, you know, when we're trying to bring something like Swing Out or Charlie Crockett, we're looking for those artists that are actually making change that are actually having impact in our world too. We have artists that are on the series that are just purely fun, like Jake Shimabukuro, who's playing a ukulele. And that's that's important too, right? But we have artists like Bill T. Jones, whose work is always very purposeful in the sense that he comes with a story and it and it's about, you know, it's definitely about power and effect of social change. There's a purpose and a reason for every single event on this season. It's not a hodgepodge. We just throw names on a piece of paper because believe me, we have like 500 artists and speakers we could program, but then they all get cut down. So you only get to have so many. Yeah. Well, we try to have a theme every year for, for our thematic learning initiative or just a programming theme. Like for example, creating hope was our theme, not last season, but the season before. And we felt like, you know, our community was really struggling with COVID and, you know, so many issues that 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 were bringing people down. And we felt like we were in a position to create hope. And so we have a responsibility to, I think, both respond to the needs of our community and also to lead with this same leader, leadership. It was, I guess, a little bit of both looking around and feeling like people are struggling with our leaders and looking for leadership. And so how can we drive the conversation and provide resources for our community and not just have people on stage and then they go, but, you know, really work with different groups in town and students so that all these messages have lasting impact on our community. I want to talk about some more standouts coming on later in the series. And one act I'm particularly interested in is the Linda Lindas. Now, they're a fairly young group. Do you think you'll see more young people becoming ANL fans because of this show and getting inspired because they are, you know, still kids in a sense, performing around the world? The Linda Lindas, not only are they teens and attracting a teen audience, but they're also attracting people who are bringing their even younger kids to these shows mm-hmm. and then a lot of times it'll be the, the the young child's first show they just had this <laughs> incredible feature first of all they're just very hot right now they were in vogue this month they were in the new york times last week playing the hollywood bowl they're just all over the place they broke out with a, a live performance of a song they wrote called racist sexist boy oh it's about like a a social issue in middle school that arose, <laughs> but it was recorded live at the LA Public Library, the Central Library. And that was what, you know, sort of broke them on the internet. But they are really funky. They are stylish. They were brought into Vogue because of the way they dress, I think, primarily. But the New York Times piece is the thing that was about what I was just describing, which is that. They just played a show in New York where the audience was literally half people with children, you know, under 12 
And the moms and the dads are dancing. The six-year-olds are dancing. And it's just a scene for parents of young children to show their kids that kids can rock and especially girls can rock. And our partner on this, our collaborating local organization, which we do from time to time, is Girls Rock Sinbar. Awesome. So inspiring multi-generations to come out to A&L this season. Yeah, we always try to have programming for the whole family. For there, Something for everyone includes our young community. And I think the Linda Lindas, they, they do appeal to teens, but also even younger and also much older. You know, parents are bringing their kids there to experience their first concert and they're also rocking out themselves. The age range of the band, I think, is like 12 to 18. I have to mm-hmm. double check. But the youngest, the drummer, is 12 years old. And I just mm-hmm. think that's pretty amazing. They're touring nationally and internationally. Again, total pathbreakers, inspiring And they're just fun. So I think that for us as a community, it's something that will be a really great time, but also, again, show us a vision of what's possible. And I think that that's something that we do really well Mm -hmm. at Arts and Lectures. I love that, Caitlin. Show us a vision of what's possible. Imagine, going back to what Charles said, imagine. Imagine what's possible. No boundaries. And I love the idea of having an audience that is filled with, you know, your five-year-old little girl with maybe her teenager brother with their parents. And it's just so multi-generational. And actually, I heard an interview with Charlie Crockett where he talked about the same Mm -hmm. thing, like something about him is appealing to so many people right now. And he's looking out at the front row and he'll have a kid there, like maybe a hipster kid next to some old school honky-tonk 10-gallon hat wearing guy next to, I don't know, tech person. Like they're just, they just attract so many different people. And we love the idea of bringing our entire community together. I used to live by this motto that most programming is family programming, right? You don't need to silo kids into family programming. I've been bringing my son to programming, he's 15 now, to lots of programming since he was little, not just like little kids programming. So, you know, my son's going to be coming to Charlie Crockett this week. He's going to be coming to Dr. Brocka this week. He's going, to be, he's going to be coming to a lot of stuff. I don't know how he's going to get his homework done, but he's going to come to a lot of stuff this week. So, you know, there's a lots of different things that Gergen, I mean, that's the youth leadership. There's a lot of things for families and all ages to, to participate in. So when we say lots of different types of programming, lots of different ages can participate in the program too. And especially imagining a future forward, I think is, is very, very pertinent to today because I wanted to close off by asking, what makes this season more special than other seasons in the past? Is it that the fact that we're finally all back together moving forward, more groups are touring, more people are out talking about things. If you want to share a bit more on, on what makes it different than seasons past. For me, as the director of the program, I feel like this is the first real season since COVID. I mean, we shut down in spring of 20 and 2021 was all virtual and 21-22 was partially of a season. It was not a full season. It was partly Vimeo streaming and partially live. And we tried. This is the first season that is all live back in the theater. 22, 23, we're in the season. And 
So it feels like the first time that we're all back doing it live in the theater and we're all together and the artists are there, the audiences will come and we're back to where we were pre-COVID and we're exhausted. But sometimes it's so jarring to think what we've gone through. But I'm so proud of us. You know, I'm so proud of the community and I'm so proud of the team and the artists and what we call live performing arts touring, what we do, that we made it, that we came out on the other side, that we're still here, that we're still serving the community. But wow, it was hard. But I'm really proud of the team. And so that's what makes it really special is that we can wear it as a badge of honor. Celeste recently pointed out that this is our fourth season being impacted by COVID. And that I told her, man, that really hit me hard when you said that. We have been, you know, everybody's used the word pivot. We've been pivoting. We've been trying to figure it out. We've been using new technology. We've been trying to serve our community, figure out new ways to get our message out. It's not over, but it feels like we're moving toward normalcy. And that's an amazing thing. But I also think that this season is different just in our programming, it just feels really exciting and fresh. So I love that about this coming season. I feel fortunate to be in a position to to appreciate this in a particular way that I do, because I've been following this organization for many years, but I only joined it relatively recently. And what I want to say is that the theme of leadership, it's not just the people that are brought in, it's the leaders in this organization, this group people who make arts and lectures lead and they teach about leadership by example. And the relationships that Celeste in particular has with some of these artists that keep coming back, people like Yo-Yo Ma, people like Wynton Marcellus, people like Bill T. Jones, it is more important and moving than ever under these circumstances after what we've been through. And I just want to make sure that I get that in because that's something that's very important to me. Well, thank you so much, Caitlin, Charles, Celesta, for joining me on the show this week. I really enjoyed hearing about ANL, and hopefully, everyone listening is getting excited and and kind of understands what you're going for this year. I mean, there's always an intent behind the the series every single year. So the intent this year is kind of challenging the status quo, getting back together, being together again, and inspiring the next generation of changemakers. So thank you for joining me this week. Really thank enjoyed you so your time. Molly. Thanks, Molly. Once again, I'm your host, Molly McEnany. Tune in next week for another episode.